Hello, and welcome to the Adventures in Arting podcast. My name is Julie Fayfan Balzer, and I am a working artist and mother to a curious toddler. My business, Balzer Designs, is all about helping you to live an artful life through thoughtful art education. On this podcast, together with my super special co-host and my mom, Eileen Schubalzer, we ask questions of each other and our guests while discussing learning, their creative career path, finding balance, looking at art, setting goals, and why being creative matters. So our goal is for this podcast to stimulate your imagination. So hi, Mom. Hello, Julie. How are you? I'm fine. I want people to know I am not the toddler. <laughs> you are not the toddler. That's very true. I also, I am very Kathleen Turner today because I am a little under the weather. So I've got a sexy growl in my voice. Um, so today we're actually going to be talking about broad-based inspiration. So when I say that, Mom, what does that make you think of? It makes me think of you should, anything that interests you, whether it's germane to the actual things that you are creating or not, you should find out more because in some way, it's something of that is going to influence what you do. Yeah. I think, you know, I, I read a study many years ago um, that CEOs of companies read vastly beyond the number of books that the normal human being reads. And is it all like books in their field? It's not. Some of it's novels, some of it's, you know, true stuff. I mean, like, but they just read, read, read. And I, and it is one of those like, you know, sort of chicken and egg questions. Are they CEOs because they read so much and they take in all these different sort of influences and ideas and perspectives or does being a CEO make you sort of need that kind of outside inspiration or influence? And I don't know. Well, I would say this. People who are curious and who never stop being curious and who are looking for lifelong learning probably uh, continue to grow and figure out solutions to their problems because they have this whole well of inspiration. I do think that this goal of being a lifelong learner is good for everyone, whether you're an artist, a CEO, you know, whatever you being. I mean, I think that's that old quote, right? Where I can't remember who said it, but it's something like, you're old the day you stop learning, whether you're 19 or 95. I agree. Yeah. So good news. You're still a young mom. Well, I'm not 95 yet. Well, I mean, I think, I think the thing also that this idea of broad-based inspiration for me is really what sort of we're talking about today, which is how to be unique in your field, how to find inspiration when it's all been done before. Because if you're doing the same thing that everybody next to you is doing, then how are you different? How are you special? How are you unique? And I do think that we, um, all the algorithms and all the other things drive us towards the same inspiration, the things we already know we like you know, the things that are already comfortable, the people who already agree with us and all that kind of stuff. And listen, I'm all for like mental health and not having to look at stuff that, you know, upsets you or isn't in the right vein. But I also think that, you know, I'm not particularly interested in like astrophysics or, you know, biology or any of the sciences, but I love listening to the Science Friday podcast. And I find that sometimes the ideas there do trickle into my work, even though I would never say I do any sort of scientifically based artwork. It's funny you should say that because the other day I was reading an article in uh, a university gazette and 
they had photographs that had been taken at all sorts of micro levels. And they were cells and they were animals and they were all kinds of things. And they were fabulous. And they opened my eyes to help me look at things differently. I just think people who are interested in things, they're usually not just interested in one thing. It's true. I was having a conversation with somebody the other day about dinosaurs and how actually the artistic renderings of dinosaurs have hurt us because they're not scientifically based because they didn't take into account muscle. They didn't take into account fat. Feathers. Feathers. Many dinosaurs so were covered in feathers. Yeah. And so there's whole new looks to so many dinosaurs, the shape of them, the size of them, the bulk of them, you know, based on having to sort of add science into the art or something like that. Well, that also goes to the idea of having preconceived notions of what something should look like. So if everybody draws the same cow, Mm -hmm. you know, it restricts you a bit. I would just say this. You were talking about it in book club uh, mm -hmm. this week in which you were doing a quilt book. You were talking about a quilt book. And I think it was important to tell people, which you did, that even if you don't make quilts, there's stuff, there's, there are things for you to take from looking at other people's quilts. And uh, I think that happens, for example, in cooking. Uh there are things to take even from things from foods that you don't necessarily plan to prepare or spices that you don't particularly know how to use. I think that's how you get more interesting food is that kind of adventuresome trying things. Yeah, I also think that so like one one of the major things that uh, we talk about in boot camp and design boot camp, which is my um, major design course that I teach, is we talk a lot about you and your uniqueness and oh, me. Yes, you, your special uniqueness and all the things that you don't you take for granted and that you don't necessarily realize are unique about you, but your weird interests, the things that are your hobbies, the place that you live, the things you see out of your window, the, you know, colors you're drawn to, the, the way you decorate your house. I think all of those things are unique to you. And when you ignore them to sort of go towards the norm or what everybody else is doing or what it looks like is selling and stuff like that, I think you, you really sell yourself short because you're always going to be a pale imitation of somebody else when you're copying. But when you can find a way to really like be true to who you are and do the things that are, you know, based in the environment around you, then I, and I think that's really important. And I think it, it helps you to, again, stand out and be unique. As long as you did, don't let that idea of who you are mm -hmm. become static and fossilized because, okay, I'm a person who I don't wear bright colors or I don't like, you know, this kind of music or I don't eat that kind of food, but then you never grow. You yeah. experiment. I mean, I think the thing that is very interesting is that the internet is both a blessing and a curse. And the blessing is, of course, you get exposed to things, introduced to things, people, whatever, that you wouldn't otherwise 
But on the other hand, you, when you are posting, you are mm-hmm. trying to imitate other posts that have been popular, whether they're yours or they're somebody else's. So mm-hmm. there's a million people doing a TikTok dance that looks very similar to somebody else's TikTok dance. And, and so I think in that way, it kind of crushes your creativity because you think there's only one way to get your to get eyes. Well, I would challenge it and say that maybe it pushes your creativity because maybe you have a unique take on this thing that everybody else is doing and you can bring it in differently. Also, I'm going to tell a personal story about you, which I know uh, is going to get uh, me a death stare from you, which is right right when you and dad were getting divorced, I remember a friend of yours said to me that she was going to invite you to go on a river kayaking tour. And I nearly laughed myself to death when she said that, having, having known you my whole life and your great desire to be outdoors in a small boat that you were paddling yourself. But anyway, she told, she said to me, listen, your mother's going to change and you're going to have to get used to it. And I could not stop hysterically laughing because I was like, I'm sure there are lots of things that are about her going to change, but there is a core value there, which is my mother in a kayak is never going to happen. Now you're welcome to prove me wrong at some point, mom. But there's still time, (laughs) (laughs) still time for you to get in that kayak. Yeah. But I mean, I think, so I think like, yes, you need to be adventurous and yes, you need to try new things. But on the other hand, I think there are some core things about each of us that are true and it's okay to say, you know, there are certain things that you are or are not going to do, even if it would make you a better person or a better artist or more well-rounded. I always say like, I'm a terribly lopsided person. And I, it used to be something certainly coming out of high school and thinking about what they tell you about college and, you know, you need to be well-rounded and have this and this and that, that like, as I've gotten older, I've realized more and more, like, I like being lopsided. I like being like deeply nerdy down several weird holes over here and knowing nothing about something over there, partially because, you know, I don't think, hey, so I had the wonderful experience yesterday of uh, going to have a drink and a snack with our neighbors across the street. We moved in just before the pandemic started and had the baby a week after we moved in. So we didn't really meet anybody. So this was our first like talking to strangers in a really long time. And, you know, I don't know anything about what either of them do and I don't know anything about them. And it was such an exciting, like, I came home like jazzed and new amped. people. <laughs> I know. I was like, oh my God, things I don't know. And people have different ideas. And I just wanted to talk to you and look at you and like, you know, here are the things that you have to say. And I think that that is also exciting. Like I don't have to want to go river kayaking to be thrilled to hear about your river kayaking experience. Oh, great. Let me get my slides. <laughs> yeah. I will watch your river kayaking slideshow anytime, mom. I will be happy to do it. Um, so I was thinking a lot about one of the things that you did when we were kids, which annoyed me to no end, but I now understand. Only one, I get away well, from the one that I'm the one that I'm gonna accuse you of today is whenever we ran into something, you know, that was a word that might be unfamiliar, you were always like, What does that mean? And we'd be like, oh, I know what it means. You'd be like, okay, we'll define it. And then I would always have to be like, I don't know what it means. I have to go look it up or I'd have to like fake it from context and see if I could get close enough, right? Or a reference or something like that. And what sort of happened in that process is that I accidentally learned some things (laughs) that I didn't intend to. And I think most of all, I learned the idea that 
when something you, somebody you like, like an author mentions an inspiration or a source or an event or whatever it is, and you haven't heard of them, that's like a gift. That's an opportunity for you to go down a rabbit hole you know what I mean? That you've never been through or been down. And so I think like, that's another place when people say like, where do you get inspiration? And it's like, well, listen to the little cracks. What are, what is like a technique somebody mentions in passing that you're like, huh, I wonder what that is or a supply or a, um, artist or something. So I've been, um, reviewing all the videos for the artful holiday class, which is going to be starting, um, in August. It's going to go up for at the beginning of July and there are 19 guest teachers. And of course they're referencing supplies and other things that I don't know. And so I have just been on YouTube for the last hour watching videos about this product called Chroma Crackle because Chroma Crackle, Chroma Crackle, because one of the artists used it in her video. And I was like, Hmm, I don't think I've ever heard of this. And I, I'm an art supply nerd, so let me find out everything I can about it to find out, you know, the reasons that I need to buy it. I was just going to say, have you already ordered some? I mean, I don't want to say that it's in my Dick Blick shopping cart. I mean, let's just, let's, that's like a fantasy list right now, but we'll see if it makes it to checkout. But I, I know, but I do think like there is an incredible value again in other people's expertise becoming your inspiration. By the way, just going back to when you hear something that you don't know or that's sort of like when you go on the internet and you go to a link. When Mm -hmm. I'm reading articles, there's all these links to different things and I'm constantly ending up in a rabbit hole because I keep linking and then another thing and another thing and another thing. Yeah. And I think that's, but I also think that's like, how my brain works sometimes when I'm working on a project and people say like, well, how did you get from A to B? And it wasn't in that straight line. It was kind of going to X (laughs) or actually, you know, a good example of that is we've talked a lot about Wordle, which I think a lot of people do. And I think how you Wordle is sort of a spotlight into your brain Yes. You know, do you like the second you get a letter right, start to just play with that letter? Do you abandon those letters just looking for other letters? Do you, you know what I mean? And the ones that are like hard for me are not hard for you. The ones that are hard for you are not hard for me. And it's just because our brains are so interesting in terms of how they, oh, this is hilarious. Speaking of interesting. So uh, I do this group coaching once a month with my super learner members and Yesterday was the group coaching and we were talking about um, uh, one of the artists was talking about the word interesting, like whether people would say about work that it was interesting. And so one of the women, um, Ellen, if you're out there, know that you have uh, struck me to my core. She said, isn't that the word that your mother says that you need to stop using? Yes. yes. Try not to use the word interesting. Uh, she must be a interesting... long-time listener because I haven't said that in at least a year, no. but it's still true. It is true. It is true. So what a compelling point, Mother. I, I will have to research some um, synonyms for interesting. Um, but I was also that the sort of coaching conversation that we had, a big part of it centered around people's uh, sort of interpretations of the idea of wonder. Like when you see art and have a sense of wonder and trying to define what that is. And one of the conclusions that I think we came to as a group was that a lot of it's based in personal stuff. 
one person can have wonder and the other person can be like, you know, um, and that made me think a lot about obviously the baggage, the stuff, the cultural context, whatever it is that we bring into the viewing of art is also what we bring into the making of art. And I just think like anything else, the more tools you have in your toolbox. So the more influences, the more ideas, the more things, it's just, you have a great depth when something runs short. You have the, um, like your pantry, your giant pantry full of everything that a human being could ever want will all come to live at your house during the apocalypse. You know, I got you covered. It's true. But that's the thing, which is, I know that like, you're always going to have another layer that we can go to if we need to. And I think that it should be that way too, about your interests, your knowledge, your thoughts, so that you don't hit that brick wall of feeling like, oh, what am I going to do now? I just don't know. Because I, I think the ideal situation to be in, at least for me, is that you don't even have time to for all ideas that you have. I'd rather be in that situation than be in a situation where I have, you know, all the time and I'm sitting there going like this. So recently interviewed me for her, um, create, uh, CST, Creative Strength Training Program. And one of the things that she asked me is, what do I do when I get blocked? And I thought it was an interesting question because, yeah, we all get blocked. Sorry, it wasn't interesting. I thought it was a evocative question. Evocative question because, one, I think part of my job as a working artist is it's my job and you you can't like say, I don't feel like it today. Like you got to do it whether you feel like it or not. So that's one. But two, I think part of the reason I have so many interests is because when one thing isn't working, then I just turn left or I turn right and I work on something else for a while so that my brain can cork, sort of settle around it. And I do think um, she used the word dilettante. And she said, and without a negative connotation, which has come to mean the original, you know, meaning of it is much more about somebody who's kind of, uh, Dabbling, superficial, yeah. yes. I mean, that's a negative connotation of it, but the real sort of like meaning meaning of it is somebody who, you know, knows a little bit about a lot of different things. Um, and I think that that to me has always been interesting. I remember, so I went what? to, sorry. It's always been interesting. It's always been important. So I went, so I, when I went to college, there was a program. I school. What? I'm going to stop this. I should have little flags and just hold up a flag whenever you use the word. Interesting. You just yeah, just I'm not going to do that. that me. It's obnoxious. I apologize. It's not obnoxious. You're my mother. Uh, so I think that, anyway, when I was in college, there was a program called Plimi. And what it meant is when you applied to it out of high school, you were automatically granted entrance both to college and to medical school. So it meant that for your undergrad education, you didn't have to major in biology or chemistry or like anything that would sort of be a direct, I need to get into med school kind of thing. I had a a friend in college, I remember, who didn't make it into the plea program, and he spent his four years in college completely dedicated to the single idea of getting into med school. So everything he did was about this med school. All those lab courses, yeah. Yeah. And yet I had another friend who was in the Pliny program and he was an Egyptology major. And so it's such a, it's such a compelling, evocative, uh, important question to say, 
would you rather have a doctor who has a broad base of knowledge in other things besides medicine, or would you rather have somebody who's sort of very singularly focused? And I don't think it's clear cut necessarily because I think everybody's different. I hope you would always want an excellent doctor no matter what. But I have to believe that things like compassion and having ideas about history and bedside manner and all that stuff are influenced by not just being so singularly set on this one idea. Incidentally, you know. my, the hand surgeon that I saw, yeah, he's, he was a plenie. Ah, what did he major in in his undergrad? I didn't have, I didn't even ask. That's a question I need to know. I know people who were theater majors, like all sorts of stuff, because you could pursue an interest in a deep way without feeling like there was a penalty to it. And so I, I did ask uh, uh, this woman that I interviewed, who's one of the teachers for the Artful Holiday today, I asked her the, sort of the question, if you had a bajillion dollars, you know, and you didn't have to work and you were concerned about supplies and stuff, like what kind of art would you make? Okay. Because I think that's really a question about what are the limitations, right? It's all, it's kind of the Science Friday question when he asks a lot of the scientists, if I had a blank check, you know, what would you use the money for? Uh, what kind of research? And she said that she would do the kind of work she's doing right now, but just on a larger scale, which I thought was a great answer because it made me feel like she was really content with sort of where she is. And we all obviously know that working on a like 20 foot, she was talking about like a 20 foot by 30 foot piece. So she would get a different studio. Yes. Need a different space, different tools, all that kind of stuff. Maybe an assistant. Mm-hmm. Maybe a whole bunch of minions who do like a lot of it after you sketch out the basic idea of it or whatever. But again, I think it's important to think about that question right now for a lot of people. If if money wasn't an issue, if time wasn't an issue, what kind of art would you be making right now? And if it's not what you're doing, you know, what can you do to move in that direction. And if you don't know, what does that mean? Does that mean you need to make more art? Does that mean you need to sit and think about it? Does that mean, you know, uh, I'm not sure what it means. What do you think? I think it, it means the following. I, I just read this week that someone was writing a, a an advice column basically about you know human relations and she said that a lot of your the advice that you give actually turns out to be if it doesn't feel good stop doing it yeah 100% i think that's true people feel like they have to keep up i i ran into this a lot within the scrapbook world people feel like they have to keep up with you know certain scrapbook pages or people who feel like They've done abstract and that's what their collectors want. So they have to stay abstract or they have to stay representational or whatever it is that that's, that's no way to live. Right. Well, it also applies very much in terms of relationships with other people. You know, if you, you have a toxic person who always makes you feel bad, you always come back from seeing them feeling bad about yourself. Maybe you should stop seeing that person. Yes. I have something to tell you, mom. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> no, I always feel good after I see you. You're the best mom. 
Uh, and it's even follow Check is in the mail. No, right? Uh, so I do want to mention before we go any further, just a couple class things that are of note. Um, one is the monthly membership and that obviously helps this show too. Um, and you can find out all about that at balserdesigns.com. Um, it membership starts at just $5.99 a month to see everything that I offer. If you want to buy some art or, um, take a class or whatever else, you can find that all at juliebalzer.com. There will also um, be some photos of the baby. Yes, that's I true. Unavoidable. Unavoidable. Absolutely. Uh, and then that artful holiday class that he mentioned starts August 1st. And again, that class was really about, um, it's project-based. It's stuff for you to make all year long. It's not the major Christian holidays. And a lot of it is thinking about how to apply your fine art skills into making things that make your home feel special, that make other people feel special. I think a huge thing for me during COVID has been gratitude. And that's how I've been making it through, you know, every day and everything. And so I think that holidays of any kind, little celebrations, you know, that something handmade really does change that for me at least. So I, I wanted to sort of pass that on to other people, that joy of, of giving of yourself. And then finally, um, Design Bootcamp has opened up for registration. And if you've never heard of Design Bootcamp, what is it? I'm so glad that you asked. Um, it's an opportunity to grow. And uh, if you're not getting the results you want, if you want to refine your personal style, if you don't know how to tell when your work is done, if you struggle with decision-making during the art process, if you're looking for an art mentor, if you're seeking camaraderie from other artists, if you want to understand the structure of artwork, if you're ready to work really really hard, then Design Bootcamp is for you. And you can find out more about Design Bootcamp over on my website. And uh, again, that's balserdesigns.com or juliebalser.com. They both work. Um, I have a I have a long uh, history of doing my own web work, which is why I now have two URLs because it's all put together. Higgledy, higgledy. Um, so that's kind of all the commercials that I have to say about the um, upcoming offerings. Mom, do you have sort of any other advice or thoughts about this idea of uh, broad-based inspiration? No, but the idea is that uh, anything that interests you is worth pursuing until it doesn't interest you. Not to become an expert, but you've got to have, I'll just, one example from my life, which is kind of dumb, but when I was in, I think it was elementary school or middle school, I suddenly got interested in bullfighting. Don't ask me why. <laughs> it's crazy. So I went to the public library and I took out all the books they had, which was not very many, about bullfighting. How has that influenced my life? I have no idea, but the it's it makes me a better, more well-rounded person. I learned little things. I got a view into sort of another culture, and it was rewarding. I think what happens is you feel that sometimes you're limited in time, and you have to devote the time that you have to just pursuing whatever is going to advance your work or whatever problem it is you're trying to solve, and that makes you bored, tired, restless, feel trapped, mm-hmm. you know? So it's like taking a mental vacation. Am I ever going to be a bullfighter? No. Are there, I just, 
I felt fascinated, and so I did it. And I think anything that fascinates you and interests you, you ought to be able to spend some time in your life just pursuing it. Yeah, and I agree. And I think that, you know, there's been this trend on Instagram where there's been a bunch of videos that say, like, it's okay to suck at your hobby. Like, it's it's okay to just be bad at it. Roller skate and not be, like, a roller skating superstar, but you just enjoy roller skating. Or, you know, make crochet not because you're going to sell it and dominate the crochet world, but because you enjoy it. And sometimes it doesn't look good, and that's fine because you're having fun at it. I think that it is important to just... As they say, um, don't try to be interesting, be interested. I like that. I think it's an important point. Um, so I am actually going to share an interview that I did with Andrea Chablou, who is one of the 19 guest teachers for the Artful Holiday. And she, uh, I thought it would be appropriate for this episode because she runs a really interesting, oh, there's that word. She, she runs a cool workshop um, called Under the Influence. And well, uh, I'll let her tell you about that in the interview. And I know that you do a series called Under the Influence. Yeah. Can you tell people a little bit about that? Oh my God. I love Under the Influence so much. And people usually, it's a very provocative name. Um, so people are like, huh? But what we're doing is we're working under the influence of an artist like you, Julie. If we featured you, we're not going to be copying your project, but we're going to be looking at your art and the way you you know, create things and share them online. And, and what I do is I help the participants look at it and break it down like, huh, it looks like she did this. And let's see what supplies I have so that I could try something similar to that. It's really just this breaking down and noticing the art principles that you may, may be using, right? And so we notice together. Um, we're present together as we're looking at the beautiful feed of, of you know, beautiful art that you share um, there is a value in learning how to notice things and just just looking right. And so I'm just your tour guide as you go through the process of of noticing things and then trying to I, I always use the the analogy of we're going to a chef's beautiful restaurant and the chef is preparing us a delicious meal. When we go back to our home kitchen and we prepare that meal, we're going to reach into our own pantry and grab things. And so what we're doing is we're sampling your beautiful, you know, whatever course meal. But when we come back, of course, we're not going to replicate it exactly, but we're going to take a few of the ingredients that you use and we're going to use them in our own cooking. And so that's the same thing with our art journals that we get to sample the beauty that you create and then just try a few things to incorporate into our own work. I think that's so important. I think people get caught up in this idea that they want to make art that looks exactly like somebody else. And I think it's it's like, A, you're always going to be a pale copy of somebody else. So why would you do that? Right. And B, like you're so unique and special and interesting with the stuff that you have, the way you do it. And I think cooking is always such a great analogy because people can understand that if you watch, let's say, a chef from a totally different region or country or area than you, they have access to ingredients that you don't but you have access to ingredients that they don't. And the magic is when you sort of take their ideas and techniques, but filter it through the things that are available to you. I mean, and I think art is so much the same way. Yes. Yes. So much. I got goosebumps when you were talking because that's just, that's exactly it. That's exactly it. And what I want to do is 
help people have the courage to look at something that they're just like, oh my gosh, that's so beautiful. I could never do that. And just break it down little, little pieces. Maybe then absolutely, they're not going to be able to reproduce something that somebody spent decades, you know, finessing their, their technique, but you can definitely take little ingredients out of it and try and be like, oh, I love that. I want to use that more in my own artwork. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about what you are teaching for the Artful Holiday. I actually, I haven't seen your video yet, so I'm excited to hear what you've got planned. Will you give us a little bit of sort of your holiday and what you were thinking about and sort of where you went with it? Yeah, absolutely. And I wish I had a finished sample to show you because I am just, I need that pressure of a deadline. And so I've got it halfway done right now sitting in front of me, so I'm not going to hold it up because then that'll like, you know, anyway. Um, so I chose Earth Day. I chose Earth Day. Um, not really a, you know, super celebrated holiday, but I think it should be because I think that we, we want to love on our planet and be here as long as we can. And so that focus on um, recycle, repurpose, reuse. Um, so Earth Day, and, and I'm having you use, well, here, I'll show you a part of what we're doing. I'm having you use good old toilet paper rolls or paper towel rolls. And we're going to make some fun um, containers that could either be for candles or for little potted plants or, you know, desk debris, as I call it, like little scraps of paper or little things that I like to use. So just recycling materials into something that looks very elevated, something that I would buy in anthropology or whatever. But, you know, being able to um, incorporate my own artwork um to to decorate it but the process of it is so fun and i love the fact that i'm keeping something out of a landfill so you had me at toilet paper tubes i think okay throw them away ever. Right. no never if andrea if people want to connect with you what's the best way for them to do that um i would say if you're an instagram person i'm a work of heart studio on instagram and then there's all the links are in my link you know my link in that. Um, otherwise, aworkofheart.com is my website. Cool. And you can definitely catch Andrea's mystery toilet paper tube container class as part of the Artful Holiday, which begins on August 1st. You can find out more information about that at balzerdesigns.com. And thanks so much for joining me, Andrea. Thank you, Julie. So you can find me at juliebalzer.com or on Instagram as Balzer Designs. If you'd like to take a class with me or sign up for private coaching, I'd love to hear from you. And if you'd like to help the show, you can leave a review, mention us on social media, or tell a friend. All of those things help other people find the show. So thanks so much, Mom. And thanks so much to every. Oh, you had something to say. Go. No. I was just going to say, you can't find me anywhere. <laughs> That's also true. That's the way I like it. <laughs> Although I have the key to your house and I might be coming over. So thanks so much for listening and subscribing. We'll see you the next time on the Adventures in Arting podcast. <laughs>